Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Today, we're going to hear an inspiring story of transformation that is culminating in the decision to ride a bike across Canada. Starting in Moncton, New Brunswick two months ago, Chris Abishan has ridden over 3,000 kilometers and is now in Manitoba. I'm really excited to welcome Chris to the podcast. Hi, Chris. Hi, Richard. How are you? Thank you for having me. Uh, this is, you know, such an incredible story of, you know, what got you here 3,000 kilometers from New Brunswick on a journey across Canada. But I'm really interested how you made the decision. You know, two months ago, it was still pretty cold in Canada. Uh, you decide, decided to ride across the country. How did this happen? It's always kind of been in the back of my mind of, you know, doing, I'm a big believer in, in goals and challenges and overcoming those. Cycling across Canada is an insurmountable challenge for a lot of people. And, you know, I, a couple of months ago, I was going through a real hard time professionally, personally, you know, I was going through a, a real hard breakup. Um, and then an opportunity arose with uh, school funding back in my home province of BC. Well, I certainly wanted to take advantage of the funding and I wanted to go to school, but I figured with my mental health issues, certainly my physical issues, I was well over 300 pounds at the time. Um, you know, I figured I could jump on a plane and fly out west, be there in 12 hours. If I did that, I'd be the same man that left Moncton, you know, and that wasn't, I felt someone that could be successful even in the short term, let alone long term in, in, you know, in terms of that path of success and education. And, um, so I figured, screw it, I'm, I'm going to jump on a bike and I'm going to set that for some reason that cycling across Canada didn't seem like an insurmountable challenge to me. It felt attainable. Um, as crazy as that sounds. And, and so, you know, I decided on a Wednesday, I'm going to do it. I went to the bike shop. I bite a, I ordered a bike and all the, all the bags and everything I would need for it. Thursday, one thirty in the afternoon, the next week, I get a call from the bike shop. Your bike's here. I, I left my keys, my work phone, everything on my desk, walked to the bike shop, grabbed my bike and I left. I didn't, uh, I did. It was one of those things where it was a Band-Aid moment. Just pull it off and go. That is incredible. Just, you know, I've talked to other people who have spent months researching gear and finding exactly, you know, the lightest gear and the perfect gear. Uh, and your story is just, it just hits like a lightning bolt that this is something you have to do. Uh, and a week later, you're riding across the country. I think that's just an incredible approach to life. Are you like yeah. that with other decisions that you just make a decision and go ahead? <laughs> unfortunately yes i try to be analytical and think about things but there's a time when you just gotta get up and go sometimes that's that's you know harder than than it sounds but you know again looking at my options in my life both short term and long term it's well you hit on it it's something i had to do i couldn't continue living the way i was living um uh, you know, I've, I feel like I've wasted 20 years of my life and I've accomplished nothing. And uh, it's something that I had to do for, for 
you know, my future. So there's a physical aspect of what you're doing. And there's also a mental aspect, uh, you know, being outdoors all day without distractions and just with a singular goal, you know, it kind of, at least for me, it really calms me down. And like, I get tons of great thoughts, but also the exercise also kind of like, you know, I kind of end a day being like, just kind of like mellowed out and, and, and I just feel good. Are you finding that same type of, you know, uh, a joy or happiness from, from this daily push? I'm not, I'll be honest. So a lot of, be, I, I don't do this for fun. Right. And I don't envision. I, so like you said, there's a lot of guys that get into this and they plan, you know, three to six months in advance, their training. And I just did it. And I don't enjoy it. I am sore. I am miserable by the end of the day. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, you're alone and you got nothing but your thoughts. Well, my thoughts haunt me. You know, I really struggle with my thoughts. And I'll be honest, there's, you know, just about every two or three days I'm riding down the road and I'm crying. Like I, I, I suffer from depression, if that's not clear. Um, and so I re that part of this is really difficult, is, is really struggling with my thoughts. And um, now that being said, the exercise component of it, like it's no secret the effect exercise has on both your physical and mental health. Like we know that the literature is clear on that, but when you are a depressed person getting off that coach, whether you believe that literature or not, like good luck getting off that coach. I wish I could somehow bottle that. How can I put it? The motivation to, to, to finally do it because my mental health has, gotten so much better in two months specifically the last month you know the first few weeks were still really tough um and there's still dark days now but they pass so quickly the the physical transformations i'm going through like i went from 320 down to i'm probably 260 now i haven't weighed myself since since ottawa so i'm just uh, estimating but um, you know, the back pain's gone, the knee pain's gone. I, I I'm six five, but I feel seven foot. I stand taller, my shoulders are broader, <laughs> I can think clearer. Um so yeah, the exercise part of this has certainly been tremendously rewarding. It's interesting because this is not just it's your first time doing this, but it's also much more difficult. You know, you've described things that make this seem a Herculean effort that you know, you're dealing with so much more than somebody who's, you know, going out for, you know, a month bike tour on an ultralight bike, and they've trained for this, There, it, it must be really hard. And so what keeps you going, you know, when you have these, these difficult times, how do you push through? Because that's a lot of willpower to, to deal with the tough days. I don't have any other choice. I, you know, I, I, they do a lot of stealth camping. So I'm just like sleeping on the side of the highway in the bush. Right. When I wake up in the morning, I can't stay. And I'm, you know, over 3000 kilometers away from my quote unquote home. I can't go back. I have to go forward. And so again, that's not something it, it's difficult to, to feel inspiring by being in that kind of position. Right. Like, I, I'm in a situation where I have to keep going. I don't I don't specifically think that's an inspiring message. However, 
getting on the bike and pedaling for four hours or eight hours or 12 hours, battling through the thoughts, the darkness. And like you said, everything about the trip has made it kind of harder. I'm on a big, dumb, cheap, heavy bike. I got, um, you know, the eight gears. I, I, I can't hit the top one. I The bottom one slip. Um you know, my gear isn't great. My tent, I accidentally bought an adolescent tent the other day because <laughs> I ruined my other tent. So, like, I can't even stretch out. Um, financially, uh, was not prepared for the costs. I I was, I'm not eating well, I'll be honest. Like, I eat, uh, you know, one meal a day and then I snack, whereas the guys who are prepared are eating every hour, whether it's like an energy bar or they're stopping for lunch or they start with a breakfast. And and so that's been tough. The costs were something that I just wasn't prepared for. Now, that being said, I've had a tremendous amount of help and support along the way. The community that has gotten behind me has been so generous and have sustained me completely. Um, I ran out of money. I'll be honest. I ran out of money about a month ago. Um, so, uh, you know, without uh, the generosity of the community of supporters behind me, this would have ended a long time ago. But, um, yeah, it's it's far more expensive than I ever thought it would be. And, um, you know, the, the, the costs continue to, to be there. You know, bike repairs here in the next couple of days. Um, you know, I unfortunately can't have rest days like most of these pro riders, right? I Time's my enemy. So I just got to keep going each day. And, uh, you know, so some days it's four hours and some days it's 12. And uh, uh, I just take each day as I can. So so there's so many interesting things to talk about. Uh, I'm going to kind of go back to the start here. And what was it like to ride from Moncton to your, I think you're near Winnipeg now, you know, for for people that have never been to that part of the world or have thought about doing a cross Canada bike ride, what is what is that part of that first three thousand kilometers? You know, it's bigger than most countries. What's that that three thousand kilometers been like for, as a rider? So varied, obviously. It, like you know, coming through New Brunswick, it was um, just hitting the pavement, highways, day after day after day. Um, but then you get to Quebec that has invested millions of dollars into riding trails. Um, Ruverte is uh, um, their trails that go through the entire province that keeps you off the highways. And it is stunningly beautiful. Like you could spend 150 kilometers just riding on trails that are circling lakes and rivers. And you're riding through little tiny French communities that like pulls you back in time. Um, you know, there's little, there's no Starbucks or McDonald's or any of this crap. There's just little mom and pop, you know, artsy, um, eclectic kind of uh, cafes and 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 everyone has an art dealership out of their house and like it's just it's, it's, it feels like you're in you know like old world Europe uh, you know coming down the St. Lawrence um, but then you hit Montreal and Quebec City and Ottawa and it's like you know you don't you don't see more than three people a day for a month and then you see hundreds of thousands and all these cars and uh, so it's it's really kind of uh, eye-opening to see 
like when you're driving, you're going 100 kilometers an hour and you're just flying past everything and it, nothing really sinks in. But when you're riding, you know, 15 kilometers an hour, you can appreciate absolutely everything from the sounds and, and, and the beauty of the country to the vastness, like Ontario never ends. <laughs> you know, like it's just overwhelmingly huge. Um but, you know, and then on the flip side, it gives you the opportunity to meet some of the people in those vast, huge, endless provinces that humble you and support you. And, and so it, it's just been a tremendous journey so far in terms of, of what I've seen and what I've encountered. Um, again, I'm not doing it for fun. I wouldn't do this for fun, but it's been rewarding along the way. Uh, you talked earlier about the power of community in terms of supporting you. You mentioned again, meeting all these people, you know, how are people finding you? Like, like, how is this community springing up? Is it just you, you rock up into a little village and you start talking to somebody and you know, you're a naturally social person or are there other ways people are finding you? Yes and no. So I do. I, so I remember talking to this gentleman in a McDonald's. I walked into this McDonald's after like a 12 hour day I had $3 to my name. I bought a water and a coffee. I sat down and he's sitting next to the only electrical outlet in the entire restaurant. And I needed to charge my battery packs. So I asked him to charge, to, to plug them in. He never seen them before. So he's like, what is this, a bomb? And I'm like, no, no, it's a battery pack. And so we started talking about what I was doing, why I was doing it. We talked for 45 minutes when he got up and left, he threw me 50 bucks and he didn't know I had $3 to my name. He didn't know I never ate that day. And he never knew that that $50 was going to sustain me for several days afterwards. Now I remember telling him that six weeks prior to this conversation, I would have never been able to have this conversation. I'm not a naturally social person for 20 years I have not liked people I have not trusted people I'm very private but I talk to everybody now and um so this community again I call it a community because in my in my eyes and in my heart that's what it feels like um I left Moncton very quietly I never told anybody a few days on the road road I told my sister and she convinced me that this was uh, something that people would want to hear about at a minimum, but would be invested in and care about. And she convinced me to share the story, the story of mental health, the story of ward of the court, et cetera, et cetera. So she basically said, trust me, just be honest and, and I'll take it from there. So she started the Instagram account. Um, I post to Reddit. Um, and I, I, I'm, I just have honest conversations about the trip, about mental health, and people tend to resonate with that. Um, but I'm also a firm believer in people getting behind me and investing in me because I've invested in myself. And I think that is the most important part of this whole thing is that Nobody is going to invest in somebody that's just sitting on a couch battling mental health. You have to take accountability for your mental health. You have to start that snowball and then people will help you push it down the hill. But 
success is not done alone, but you have to find the the energy, the enthusiasm, the purpose to get up and get off that couch and invest in yourself and people will be there for you. It's, it's funny, you know, as you talk, uh, I remember reading one of actually one of your posts on Reddit where you talk about this trip, or maybe it was in one of the articles, this trip is heart mending for you. And I'm interested in in understanding more how this trip is is heart mending uh, after, you know, what sounds like a, like a, a lot of heartbreak, you know, uh, before this trip. You know, my life, you know, I was raised ward of the court. So like six to 18 was all foster homes. Um, that's a very hard way to grow up. 30 plus foster homes, group homes, et cetera. My relationships have all been very difficult. Um, and so you kind of develop a, 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 a sickness to you and a mistrust of people. And um, this trip has allowed me to really understand that there are good people out there and uh, like a lot of good people, I, you know, it circles back to those, to that people will invest in people that invest themselves. So I don't want to minimize that part of it, but there are a lot of really caring, loving, supportive people out there. And I mean, the messages I get, you know, on, on Reddit and on Instagram, they're from people locally, from people from all over the the world uh, that are inspired or humbled or that have helped them in terms of their own mental health and motivation. And again, that's that honest conversation that they're having and that accountability that they're having. And, and so it's kind of allowed me to not be so hard and, and kind of develop a softness for people in general but the world, um, you know, it, it's the world's a hard place, you know, and 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 anybody who says they haven't experienced, you know, heartbreak or hell on earth is, you know, probably hasn't lived very, very much. But, you know, there's certainly a lot of light out there. There's a lot of peace out there and beautiful beautiful wonderful people and and so i've really grown over the last couple of months in terms of that heart mending and being able to trust and 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 be honest and and uh and you know just feel humbled and inspired really by the people that reach out to me and support me somebody said how proud they were of you and they gave you a hug and just how meaningful that was and it 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 made me think like as men we never tell each other we're proud of each other we never do that um, and just how powerful, you know, that seemed a really powerful moment for you. Um, and is that kind of the same thing, you know, people realizing that there's more to you than this, you know, six foot five, you know, tall, bushy bearded guy that there's, you know, they're able to kind of get to know, to know who you are beyond just, you know. Yeah, it, it was really touching. Um, it was really meaningful. Um, it happened twice in two days, which uh, Jonathan and Chris, like I'll never, re- I'll never forget either of them. Um, no, you're right. Like so, men, we're not allowed to be emotional, and you know, and it's not just the men that put that pressure on other men. Like the women in my life have been harder on me than the men in my life. Like you know, we're expected to be, and and again, to look at me, six, five covered in tats, like big Indian, right? 
I'm expected to be this big, tall, strong, hard kind of dude. I'm an emotional dude. You know, I have <laughs> depression. <laughs> like I am an emotional guy. And, you know, I, 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 I remember clearly relationships failing when I showed emotion. Um, so being able to talk to Jonathan and Chris and, and having honest emotional conversations with them and them ending with an embrace and a handshake and meaningful eye contact and no judging and, you know, just shedding that layer of, 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 uh, or the, like the weight of, of what I'm doing. Like it was, it was so meaningful and so humbling. And so there's not enough of that. Like men, we need to support each other. We do. Um, you know, like, like, you know, women's, uh, we need those support groups and those ribbons and those, those, uh, uh oh. Am I back? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what happened there. That was strange. Uh, <laughs> so look, men, men, we need those support groups. We need those ribbons and those, those, uh, uh, you know, NFL needs to celebrate. We need those support groups. We need those ribbons and those, those, uh, uh you know, NFL needs to celebrate, you know, men's health awareness. Uh, you know, we have to support each other. We have to make it acceptable and okay to be emotional i still think we can be strong tall proud men but we can also show a softness and an honesty to us without it breaking relationships and breaking we got to break the stigma um you know where we we uh and look that conversation has been happening for generations like this isn't a new conversation about men and emotions right but um anyways it, it it's really shown me you know that men and the people i meet if you're honest if you're emotional it's okay and uh, again that circles back to that heart mending as well uh, you know, I think there's there's such a powerful message in, in what you're saying there. And I think there's a stereotype that to be a man, you have to be hard. But I think to be a man, you have to have emotions and have empathy and care about other people and and be willing to share it. But you're right. Part of society doesn't doesn't want that. And it's it's really tough if if if, if you're like that. Um, you've talked a bit about mental health and part of this ride. You're raising money for mental health. And I don't know if you started off. The ride doing that or if that's something you've added added afterwards but but what are you trying to achieve in terms of fundraising i mean to be clear i'm not raising money for mental health as a as a disease um my um my goal in this was two months ago i need to ride across canada to get into the best physical and mental health shape that i possibly can if i want to be successful at school and in life um it's transformed into a lot of people suffer from mental health issues and they don't know so i'll, I'll back up specifically 
wards of the court. So I am a ward of the court or was, which was again from six to 18. I aged out at 18. Um, the government was effectively my guardian. And once you age out, support stops, all forms of support. My primary interest right now is continued funding for former wards of the court that require it. And like, I need mental health support. I need therapy. I need a plan of care. Um, now I've gone to mental health uh, in, in, in my, my home province. I do the intake meeting. Six years later, they call me and they say, hey, we got a doctor ready for you. There's no urgency there to help me because I'm not cutting myself, because I'm not hurting somebody else. If I had the money to go to a private therapist, I could start therapy tomorrow. You know, I could potentially take that next level in terms of of, of uh, rebuilding my my mental health and, and, and going down that path of success. So I'm a firm believer in the province having some accountability, having some ownership in that. They raised me. They hired the people that raised me. They all failed. And I am the way I am in part because of my upbringing. Now, BC, to their credit, has recently removed the age limit for education funding, which tells me they understand they have some vested interest in former wards of the court. Otherwise, why would they pay for school for a 44-year-old man? They understand they have some, some they still have an, an interest in investing in us. So I don't believe it should stop with just education funding i think there should be mental health funding if it's appropriate and required i think there should be funding for uh, um you know addiction um and and even people you know in terms of recidivism rates and 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 going back in and out of uh prison uh, life skills and, and life coaches i i think they have a, a responsibility to us after 18 you know, and um, I'm a firm believer of that. So I'm trying to start that conversation. Um, you know, it's not a look, there's 65,000 kids in care across Canada on average each year. Of those 65,000 kids, the vast majority are 12 and under. The vast majority, thankfully, are going to go home or to a family. But those 12 to 18 year old kids that age out each year, that go on to having underemployment, um, chronic homelessness, um, special needs uh, considerations that they receive no help for. 2,000 of them every single year age out, and there's no support for them. And I, those are the kids I'm talking about and that I want to work towards. Uh, you know, it's just, that conversation should start. It, it, you know, we all understand the numbers of 65,000 kids in care, et cetera. But for whatever reason, we don't talk about those 2,000 kids that age out each year that transition from in care to welfare to the streets. We don't talk about them. And it, it's a travesty because um, I'm ready to be successful. And I just need that little bit of help to get there. Um, so I had to do this. I had to take accountability for my end of this. People have gotten behind the story. They've gotten behind me. 
to help me find that success. But there's 2,000 other kids each year who need that help as well. You know, it's it's such a heartbreaking story to hear to hear about this, uh, but also inspirational then to hear your approach to to try and solve this. And uh, just listening, you know, I'm hopeful that you know when you go back to school, you're gonna you know get the skills to actually take this on because you seem like such a passionate advocate and for a genuine need that is, you know, a failure of of, of society that that this is happening. Is a failure of the system. I, I, the government should be held to the same level that they hold us to as parents. And for whatever reason, again, that, that conversation stops at 18 or 19, depending on the province you're in. But you look at those 2,000 kids, half of them don't even graduate high school. And that just leads to generational issues right like if we all understand the the statistics between being raised in pro or being born into a family that's in poverty you're likely to live in poverty yourself and those generational issues just continue now again we're talking about 2000 kids that's not a lot of kids in the large scope of things you know we just spent what 3 million dollars trying to find a sub you know, that went down to the Titanic, surely we can find some money to give these kids that are aging out a little bit of mental health help. You know what I mean? Like, surely we can find the money. And I don't think it's a left or a right thing. I think we can all agree that we can do better. And that's where the conversation starts. Just agree that we can do better and we can help these kids. And look, my biggest fear was dying on this system. I was born and raised on this system. My biggest fear is dying on welfare as an 85-year-old man. I that that can't be me. That full circle of failure. I, I, I can't do that. So invest in us. There is greatness in some of them, but there is there's a capacity in all of us to do better for them. This will comes through, you know. Uh, you said at the start, if I took a plane, I'd be the same man that left Moncton. You talked to later. I don't have a choice. I can't go back. I have to to go forward. And then just now you said that can't be me. And there's this will, this drive to push forward. That's that's within you. That has this, you know, you know, something a lot of people don't have this drive to to accomplish something, which I think is really powerful that. You know, having talked to you here for 30 minutes, I rarely write down things people say, but you've had kind of three really powerful statements that show this tremendous strength of will, um, which is why you've gotten from not biking anywhere to, you know, being 320 pounds, you know, riding across through, you know, terrible, probably spring weather. You have to go through all the smoke in the East Coast and go three kilometers, 3,000 kilometers. And now you probably have another 3,000 kilometers to, to complete the journey. Tough part of my trip is over. Thank, like I'm four days from Saskatchewan. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to rip through these last uh, four provinces. Obviously, the Rockies is going to be tough. That's going to be a challenge. Um, but I'm also not going to, you know, like you say you find the will. You know, a lot of people that are in my position, uh, you know, specifically with depression, the struggle is finding that purpose, right? People with depression don't feel like their life is worth living and so the trick is finding the purpose what what makes your life worth living and for me it was the fear of dying on this system the last couple of months my purpose has been the 
thousand plus supporters on Instagram that message me and, and, and support me and, and donate. And uh, it's talking with you. It's talking with CBC. It's, it's, that's my purpose is to finish this and then, you know, get my house in order first, get the education that's required and then help my community help help the other wards of the court that are out there find their purpose because I, again there's greatness in them and um they just need help uh, uh the way you've said that is just is just so powerful and i think that works you know you're focused on wards of the court but i think there's you know millions of people that don't know their purpose that are going through life that are are struggling in different ways you know we all, we all have different struggles we deal with um, but just being able to find that purpose as you, way you, you explained it, the way you, you said it, it's just, just so powerful. Um, speaking of your purpose, your purpose is going to end in a couple months. You're going to, you know, be in BC, be home, be starting school. How do you think, you know, uh, are you worried about losing the bike trip? Are you happy to not have to be on the bike for four to 12 hours today? Have you even thought about that moment yet? Or are you still thinking I got to get through Manitoba? A lot of people have messaged over the last couple of months saying you should feel proud. And I haven't felt proud at all. Once I seen that big polar bear in a, on the Manitoba sign, why is there a polar bear on a Manitoba sign first and foremost? But um, I felt proud finishing Ontario. And now I know I'm on the back end of my trip. Um, I was just talking to my sister yesterday about what's next. Um, you know, certainly school, but um, I already have my next goal and plan in place. I know what I'm doing. I am excited to finish the trip. Um, I'm excited to start what's next. I'm going to be really happy to not ride the bike for 12 hours a day. Like <laughs> that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, but I do envision myself you know, riding for fun a little bit, you know, like, like I, I still want to, um, health is still going to be a huge part of my life, uh, like physical activity. And, and, and so I think riding my bike, uh, you know, maybe an hour a day or something like that will probably still be a part of that. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I, I, uh, let me get that let me get home get all these <laughs> bags off the bike and we'll see we'll see how it looks to me then you know after one of these big trips you can't wait for it to end and then you know you take a few days to relax and then you just miss being out on the bike or being walking with the heavy pack um uh chris this has been you know super inspirational to hear your story i think it resonates with everybody you know everyone has to varying degrees you know the things you've talked about are dealing, dealing with those. Um, uh, if people want to be able to follow your journey, you mentioned you have an Instagram page. There's a GoFundMe page. How can they find you so they can follow along? So my Instagram page is at nothing fancy underscore just pedal. And uh, there is a GoFundMe um, that you can find on the Instagram. Um, all GoFundMe donations at this point go towards food um bike repairs the occasional rest day if i'm so lucky um and uh so it, it's certainly not required very uh very much appreciated um but all, all i really ask of anybody who wants to support 
me is just start that conversation again about uh, wards of the court, mental health uh, support, addiction support, uh, funding for education. Um, again, BC has thankfully good on them, removed the age limit for former wards and education funding. That should be industry standard across the country. That shouldn't even be a discussion. We can find the money to, to put these kids through school. You know, I, I love your messenger. You know, the goal here is to start understanding the, how these problems exist, hear firsthand from people who are dealing with them, whether or not it's addiction or mental health or homelessness or, you know, a whole, a whole host of issues. And then just start thinking about, you know, what it's like for people that are dealing with this. And once you start recognizing, like, these are real people that have the same, they're the exact same as, as you are, they just need help then, you know, hopefully people's minds can change and we can tackle some of these issues. You know, there's a common thing about people is people don't think about, care about, or talk about issues or problems unless it affects them. Well, who? everybody knows somebody that's struggling with mental health of some form. Do you know what I mean? Every, and the problem is not everybody knows what a ward of the court is. Not everybody knows what happens when a kid hits 18. And I, I did a report in Sault Ste. Marie with a reporter for the Sioux Times. He didn't even know what a ward of the court was, you know. And and so again, that's it, it's it's not a a, a hip, sexy kind of conversation. It's not it's not something anybody talks about. But let's educate everybody on wards of the court. Educate everybody on on mental health and and uh, just start the conversation. Agree, we can do better. And uh, and then and I'm confident we can we we can find the funding for for um, kids struggling with mental health and and get them the help they need and make successes out of all of them. And that's a great message to end this on, Chris. Thanks for sharing your story in the podcast. I really uh, I really appreciate it and uh, was inspired by it. You're welcome, Richard. Thanks for having me, man. And for those of you who want to follow along, I will put um, uh, Chris's Instagram uh, link in the show notes. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10adventures.